0: He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. You could milk anything with nipples.
1: Ron Burgundy was the fall. Alright, hello one and all to episode one of the podcast 12 Mile Limit with your hosts Felix Felicis
0: and Hawk Ripjaw.
1: And we are here to dazzle and delight your eardrums with things that you have never heard of. Nothing is out of bounds Everything is fair game. You will most likely end up clutching a tequila bottle and questioning the decisions in your life that led to the moment you pressed play.
0: Probably a better thing than what your Monday was turning out to be anyway.
1: Somebody got a case on the Mondays. You need some flair and, you know, burn this place down, down to the ground.
0: Skip the flare. Just burn it down.
1: (laughs) Everybody, Hawk has had a harsh Monday. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um I don't know if you guys know this, but I am Luck of the Draw eighty six on Twitter, Periscope, and Instagram. Hawk Ripjaw is, for now, butthole tampons. And we originate from movieboozer.com. It is a magical place filled with film reviews, drinking games, and what else, Hawk? What else does movieboozer have? Us <laughs> We are the black <laughs> we are the black sheep um of movie boozer and um if you are looking for the hardcore uh probably look somewhere else like 50 cent but if you're looking for some nice entertainment uh with a couple of swear words here and there we are we are your people
0: yeah there's other good things on movie boozer check it out for sure there's other podcasts other fun reviews tons of things columns
1: columns of what cocaine yes you had me at cocaine so first up on our magical mystery tour we have our Netflix and Chill segment, which I don't know if you guys know this, but we tweeted um, from our new Twitter account, Twelve Mile Limit. So that's one two m i l e l i m i t underscore Twelve Mile Limit podcast account. We tweeted a, a questionnaire what you wanted to hear about on this first podcast. The three options were all of our Walking Dead feels, hidden '80s movie gems, and new handles for Hawk uh, because I have been. Telling this man to get a new handle. How long, Hawk? How long have I been trying to get you to change butthole tampons? Uh,
0: how long have we known each other?
1: About three years.
0: <laughs> About three years, then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. So finally, finally, he has let me um start the process, start the healing, start the search for a new handle. We're gonna throw some ideas out tonight. Uh, what, Princess Sparkle Pants. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Table, princess, sparkle pants. Come juggling thunder cunt.
0: That is probably less appealing than butthole tampons. This conversation came about with me wanting to be featured on a TV show like you. How about beer farts?
1: Beer farts? No. If you want to be featured on The Walking Dead Dead Buzz, like yours truly, you can't have any kind of handle that has orifices, any kind of orifice mentioned. So no butthole tampons, no beer farts, because farts comes out of butts. I'm assuming that's where your farts come from. (laughs) Unless they're the brain variety. Okay, so we're going to steer away from come juggling thunder cunt. Princess Sparkle Pants is a maybe. What do we think about no, no, bad touch?
0: No, probably not. I need an adult. I mean, that goes without saying.
1: John Cena, safe word.
0: That's not bad. <laughs> I'm going to write that one down.
1: Ladies and Germs, Hawk is writing that one down. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but Amy Poehler and Tina Fey made a magical comedy entitled Sisters, and John Cena was in it. And he played uh, just this just muscular drug dealer with a heart of gold who showed up to sell you cocaine whatever you wanted and stuck around to make sure that everybody was all right. And Tina Fey's character was hitting on him the entire time. And finally, at the end, he lets her know that she's going to let him climb that mountain with just condoms and pitons and he goes, "My safe word is don't stop."
0: <laughs> I think that was in the trailer. That's funny. I need to see that.
1: Yeah, yeah. But the best part about Sisters was that all the best bits weren't just in the trailer.
0: All to, to see. I think it's out on Blu-ray now, right?
1: Yeah, Blu-ray, DVD. I'm ordering it forthwith, post haste, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, because um when you've seen Ike Barnholtz take a ballerina figurine up the ass, you know life is good. Of course. Fun fact, John Cena ad-libbed a bunch of those Safe War lines at the very end.
0: I hope that they show some of those.
1: Yeah, they showed them in the outtakes in the movie, so I would, I would be really surprised if they didn't have them in the DVD or Blu-ray. Oh, good. Netflix and chill. Hidden 80s Movie Gems. One of the items on the list that I tweeted was Hidden 80s Movie Gems. And Hawk and I were talking about this the other night. I was so upset after the Walking Dead uh, season 6 finale at the buffet of bullshit that I had to watch an 80s gem that just makes me happy because it is just filled with synth pop and big hair and zero plot. And this was a precursor to Sabrina the Teenage Witch. This came first. This came before Melissa Joan Hart. Teen Witch was actually, okay, it's technically 1990, but let's be real here. Just like when you're half a virgin, when you do it in the butt, this counts for 80s.
0: You sent me the first 30 seconds of that movie and that was 80s as fuck. It totally counts
1: it was right on the bubble I did I recorded like the first Cynthia 20 seconds of it um, and it just had this oh it had this opening sequence where she's had it's this dream sequence of course right and so she's dreaming about being in this like just hot dress and this guy that of course she ends up with later on in the movie is in her dream because he's the most popular boy in school and it's she's on a building for some reason there's a scarf the wind is blowing I, I don't know what they're doing but I'm into it throughout the movie she finds out that she's a 16 year old witch who inherits her power she she gets reincarnated and her best friend gets reincarnated and she finds out she's a witch and when she turns 16 and of course she doesn't want to cure hunger or cancer. Fuck that shit, right? That's why Nicholas Sparks makes movies. Huh. She wants to be the most popular girl in school to get the most popular boy in school to pay attention to her. Clearly, priorities in line. So she gets the magic going. she or like, Her first fucking spell turns her brother into a dog and then she unturns him into a dog and then her second spell is to make money and her third spell is to be popular. bitch has got her priorities in line and when she becomes popular it's all great for a while and then she has the poor rich girl syndrome where she wants to know if this boy loves her for her right so at the big dance she goes to the big dance and she's got this tutu kind of happening and there's this big almost dirty dancing moment where she's like lifted it's gonna be my final hour or something like that right and she's like being lifted like fucking jesus above the crowd and like spun around and she gets put back down on the ground and of course the guy who took his ex-girlfriend or something to the dance is staring at her the whole time like stalker city and she gets set down and he starts like prowling over to her like a panther right it's gonna be my final hour I'm gonna do this right or something, and he's like prowling towards her. It's got b- b- by the way, it's got a fucking fantastic soundtrack like i'm m- I'm not m- making fun of this. It's like a legit like just eighties as shit soundtrack like you if you snorted cocaine, you could not be more 80s than this soundtrack, and they meet in the middle and they do this weird medieval dance where they're kind of like holding each other's arms, but you can see their faces through the armhole and they're like spinning, and then I think they kiss and they hug and the movie's over, oh, and she throws away her magic amulet. Uh, because she doesn't need the magic anymore because the real magic is being yourself. It's it's pretty fucking magical. I can tell. It's it's so good. This movie is it's amazing.
0: Where can I watch it?
1: Watch a little gem on Netflix. What is your first Netflix and chill? <laughs>
0: Uh well actually my first one is Near Dark. I-, I watched it years ago in a film class. It might be on Netflix, I don't think it is, but it's a really great eighties movie about vampires, which I know everybody's like sick of vampires right now, but this is back in the eighties when vampires were fucking cool. It is about a, a guy, just a human guy, who is bitten uh on the neck by a female vampire and runs off.
1: Where else would you get bitten? In the paint. Could you get turned into a vampire if you were bitten in the dick? Yeah. Would you wanna would you wanna live forever if you got bitten in the dick?
0: That's kind of like the thing, though. It's like the, the vampire bites you in, in a dick and you live forever, but it's, you got to live with having being bit in a dick.
1: Would your penis turn into a vampire? Like, would, it, would you just have a vampire dick? How would that even work? I don't know, but I'd be very interested to see if that could happen.
0: We should just tweet at Kanye West and ask him how it would happen.
1: Dear Kanye West, do you have a vampire dick?
0: How do they work?
1: I don't know. Maybe it we'll would suck the life force from Kim Kardashian's vagina.
0: <laughs> well, she does own a Burger King.
1: In her vagina?
0: I don't know if it's gotten that far, but I do know that his wedding gift to her was a Burger King. Shut up. Yeah, she's she got a Burger King franchise for a wedding gift.
1: I don't even think anybody's ever purchased me flowers after I've had sex with them. She got a Burger King franchise?
0: It's okay, nobody's ever bought me flowers either.
1: What about a Burger King franchise for your penis?
0: No, not that either. They came close, but then uh, backed out at the last second.
1: Oh, buddy. <laughs> so tell me tell me more about this movie
0: this guy gets bit on the neck by the by a female vampire. She runs off, and his skin starts to burn. So she he goes to find her uh, to figure out what's going on. So he goes to join them. Or no, they they take him with them, and like they try to start training him to become a vampire with them. And he's like kind of like not cool with killing people, but all of these are super violent vampires. That are either going to kill him or recruit him to kill other people? It it was directed by Catherine Bigelow, who did you know the Hurt Locker and uh, Zero Dark Thirty and Point Break.
1: What year was this? It was
0: 1987.
1: So this was pre-Twilight?
0: Yeah, absolutely. This was, this was one of her. It didn't do very well in the theaters. It got a lot of really good critical reception, but it was kind of, it's, it's pretty much a cult classic at this point.
1: So what about this movie makes this a, a hidden gem?
0: It's just cool. It's got such an awesome sense of style to it. It is also like like your movie super 80s and got cool cinematography and it's really dark. I mean, one of the, it's also got Bill Paxton.
1: You had me at Bill Paxton.
0: It's got sort of a dark, surreal movie and I kind of really dig it.
1: So my second Netflix and chill is this really obscure movie. I don't know how I found it. I must have fallen into like the black hole of Netflix. And this had John Cryer in it. An 80s movie with John Cryer that you haven't seen. The audience just gasped yes they motherfucking did because this is amazing. This has John Cryer as a Wall Street businessman of some sort and he sees like this mob style slaying and he has to go into witness protection because all the other witnesses have died and he runs away from witness protection and he goes and stays with his nephew and he pretends to be a high school student and he shaves off his beard and he dyes his hair into this weird skunk mohawk and he instantly becomes Maxwell House. He names himself after coffee and he becomes the most popular guy in school which it does not work for him because he's trying to hide and then he also falls in love with a 17 year old girl now he's 30 in this movie um but this is the 80s this is 1987 so it is totally cool for a 30 year old dude masquerading as a high school student to fall in love with a 17 year old like it's it's legit totally fine and then he of course gets found out when he's running for class president because they make him run because he's so popular and then he has to defeat the bad guys and we flash forward to the end when he's in new witness protection as graduate student at a college which just happens to be the same college as his high school sweetheart goes to and then they meet later on which is definitely not a violation of witness protection but once again it's the 80s so it's cool (laughs)
0: but to be fair what what movie about witness protection has not featured somebody blatantly violating the rules over love
1: true 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 true. but i love it because it is just such a great john cryer movie that nobody has ever seen he's the leading man in this movie like when is john cryer the leading man in anything he basically had to play back fiddle as ducky like really is he getting any no he's not So what is your second Netflix and Chill?
0: This is a movie that I have loved since before Netflix was invented. Uh, My sister and I love this movie, and we watch it, like, literally, I would say, every two or three weeks. It's an old Japanese Miyazaki film from Studio Ghibli called My Neighbor Totoro.
1: Is that, like, a sequel to The Karate Kid?
0: You know, they're gonna do that, and then they decided to go in a different direction.
1: Boys don't cry, but Hilary Swank's family does at her funeral in Million Dollar Baby. (laughs)
0: Uh, That was bad. So uh, My Neighbor Totoro is a film about these two girls who...
1: Do they have one cup?
0: No, they're sisters. Jesus. It's about these two girls who are sent to live with their dad for a while out in the plains and the farms of Japan, uh, so, or thereabouts. Um, this movie was English subtitled when we saw it, so I didn't really we didn't really buy into the Japanese culture aspect of it. But it is very heavily steeped in Japanese culture. Now that I've realized that watching later on, but it's about these two girls who are sent to live with their father out in the farms of Japan. And um, you know, throughout the days in their house, they see these little dust bunnies, which are little you know the dust bunnies, but they got eyes, and it's like it's part of the flavor of the world. But one of the big things they see is this big kind of furry cat-like creature that's up in the up in the um trees and this is totoro and he's and it's the Guardian of the forest i haven't seen this in a, in a little while so i don't remember the specifics of the plot but there's the guarding the forest and they they go meet him and then part of the the thing of the movie is that the girls really kind of tra- face some tribulations especially with their mother being very permanently sick
1: wait their mother is sick does she have cancer is nicholas sparks contributing in this
0: uh, Nicholas Sparks was heavily inspired by the cancer parts in this movie and uh, Totoro kind of like is with them and he carries them around the forest and there's a cat bus which is like exactly what it sounds like. It is a giant cat with hollowed out insides and windows and it opens up its side and they can go in and sit inside his furry insides and he just runs around Japan and takes them where they need to go like if they need to visit their mother. He like races all the way across Japan. I don't know. It's a really, it's, it's a really nice movie. It's really kind of pleasant and it's... I wouldn't say it's super 80s. It's, it's Japanese. It's old school anime.
1: Wait, there's nudity in this?
0: No, there's not. It's without the nudity.
1: Bummer. (laughs) So let me just recap this. I wasn't really paying attention. I was looking at pictures of Channing Tatum's abs. Two girls. Yeah. No cup. Yes. Mother is sick. Yes. May or may not be cancer. Yes. Nicholas Sparks may or may not be collaborating on this. Yep. Enter a giant fuzzy dust bunny cat
0: dust bunny cat and then his friend dust bunny thing i don't know what he is and then his he has a friend named cat bus who they ride around inside
1: (laughs) thanks for clearing that up so at any point does the mother get well or die
0: uh the mother does not die that i remember
1: how does this movie end are they just riding around in this fucking cat bus
0: I'm actually trying to remember what the ending was. It's, it was a good ending. I think they just the, the sisters have kind of a falling out, then they make up, and then it's they're like still living with dad, and life is going on. There's not really a resolution to the mother plot, which I think was okay because it kind of keeps things centralized on the girls, and it, and it avoids introducing a, a too much of a sick mother thing. It's just kind of a it's a really heartwarming movie. Yeah, there's a, there's a chance that Totoro is completely smashed throughout the entirety you of know, this movie based on how much nonsense fun he insists on having.
1: That sounds like a game I play when I'm drunk, except the game I play is how hard can I fall on my face.
0: Oh, good. That's my neighbor Totoro. Thanks for shitting all over my synopsis of a movie that was a huge part of my childhood.
1: Well, they don't call me Soul Crusher on Tinder for nothing, now do they?
0: <laughs> oh, God. This is the worst.
1: how do you know that's what they call my vagina on Yelp?
0: Why is it called that?
1: That's classified. There's a 100% chance I'm smashed right now. Oh, geez. So that segues really well into our next segment, Tots and Tierras. This is tweets of the show. These are tweets that inspired us, made us laugh, and otherwise made us not want to light somebody's junk on fire this week. So, Hawk, you want to lead us in with the first tweet that you enjoyed this week and make sure that you let everybody know who they can follow to thank for that tweet.
0: Yeah, this is Zach. His handle is Mr. Kapowski, K- Mr. Underscore K-A-P-O-W-S-K-I. Uh, it says, I bet Bobcats and Tomcats were just named respectively after Bob and Tom as they were the first to see them. <laughs> Which I thought that was pretty funny.
1: Oh, that's great. Yeah, Mr. Kapowski and I follow each other. He is a pretty cool dude. Very funny, like got a very biting sense of humor. I love that guy. My first one is a little bit of nepotism. This one is from my screenwriting partner, Lacey Nicole. She tweeted, and that's L-A-C-E-Y-N-Y-C-O-L-E. She tweeted, when a bite of food falls off your plate and you just stare at it on the ground like we could have made each other happy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) She traditionally has a lot of really good ones.
1: Yeah, she has a lot of good topical humor, like very much about her life, but also just really, really funny. All right. What's your second tweet of the show?
0: This is from somebody whose whose name I deeply admire. It's Spanky McDutcherson. Handle that Dutch person. Just T-H-A-T-D-U-T-C-H person. Uh, He says, hi, welcome to dating. These are your two options. One, stay together forever. Two, break up. No pressure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but you know, pizza will always love you, bro. And as an added bonus, it doesn't get judgy around the holidays.
0: You can only have one or the other.
1: You're trying to Sophie's Choice Me on pizza or love? Carbs are going to win 10 out of 10 times. And speaking of carbs, you'll need to shove some in your face after smoking this girl's timeline. My second tweet of the show is from one of my really good friends on Twitter, from the Elysianator. It's leechee420. So that's L-E-E-C-H-E-E-420. And it goes, I'm sorry I made the sad trombone sound as you took off your pants. It seemed funnier in my head. All right, so that leads us into our Hulu and Goodbye segment. Binge-worthy shows that we're watching on Hulu or elsewhere. My first show, I've talked to you about this, and you know how I feel about this show. It is the the most CW bullshit I've ever watched in my life, and I cannot stop watching. Hawk Jad, do you know what show I'm talking about? Is it The 100? The 100, yes. Alright, so the 100 is about uh, this future society where basically life became nuclear on Earth, and so a bunch of people escaped into the space stations orbiting the Earth, or they were already in space stations orbiting the Earth, and so they banded their space stations together, and they survived about 97 years, and the problem is, their projections say that the Earth is going to be toxic for another 200. They're running out of air! Motherfuckers got problems! So they send, of course, (laughs) really logically, 100 of their juvenile offenders because in the space station, if you steal a loaf of bread, like Oliver Twist style, you basically get floated into space. Like any infraction is a death sentence. There are no second chances up here unless you're a minor, in which case you get a a stay of execution until you're 18 and then they kill you. So they send 100 of their juvenile offenders down to the earth to see if uh, conditions are habitable and sending 100 teenagers anywhere with zero supervision is basically a blueprint for just fucking shenanigans and bullshittery and it's it's majestic because if you can get past first three or four episodes if you can push past that it actually gets darker the plot takes on kind of a a common thread you can follow and it is totally just teenage melodrama but it sucks you in and you cannot stop watching it
0: yeah i watched like three episodes
1: I told you, you gotta push past it. Like, you gotta just get into it, dude.
0: Yeah, I did that, and then I started, then I found my binge show that I'm watching.
1: Okay, well, what's yours that distracted you from mine?
0: Person of interest.
1: Damn it, you can't beat Spy Jesus.
0: Person of interest is a hot stack of awesome.
1: Is that what you've named your penis? I feel like it is. (laughs)
0: Yes. It's like uh, this billionaire develops a machine that basically, through different things that happened prior to the show, it only spits out the social security number of an individual who will be connected in some way to a violent crime, though the machine doesn't state in what way or whether they'll be the victim of the perpetrator or whatever. And so this billionaire hires an ex-Special Forces guy, who's played by Jesus, to find the person, figure out what their connection is, and stop the crime. Or the person. It's just fun as hell.
1: I like it. I got distracted um after a couple of seasons because of they they killed off uh, one like a character I like. And you're not there yet, so I'm not going to spoil it for you, but once that character once that character corks it, I was out of there. I was out of there so fast. Which leads me into my second Hulu and goodbye Hell's Kitchen because you know Gordon Ramsay is going to kill somebody at some point. I love it. He rings all of my daddy issue bells like all the way down because he's actually like a really nice person, but he does not tolerate. Rate, like an ounce of bullshit, and it's just fantastic. Do you watch Hell's Kitchen?
0: Um, I've watched it a couple times.
1: I love Gordon Ramsay screaming at people. It's as simple as that. It's just fantastic. It's an eminently bingeable show. It's like next level reality TV, but you don't hate yourself for watching it.
0: Everybody loves Gordon Ramsay screaming at people. I think most reality shows involving food and or Gordon Ramsay is gonna automatically be great.
1: Agree. What is your second bingeable show?
0: Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay, both the British and American versions, where in which he goes to restaurants or bars that are struggling. Well, they're usually not bars, restaurants or whatever that are struggling. And he yells at people for half an hour until they straighten up, take his suggestions and get better. Best part of every episode is the first 15 minutes where he goes into the restaurant and he orders the food and he just fucking hates all of it.
1: (laughs) Has he ever liked anything? I I haven't watched the show, but has he ever walked in there and liked anything?
0: Yes, he has. He, you know, there was one where like he liked, he hated most of the dishes, and he said this dessert is he, this dessert is amazing. Who made it? And they're like, oh, it's just this, it's just this fucking guy over here. He's like, well, that guy should be the head cook instead of this dude.
1: It's just this fucking guy. And I bet you it like pans over to that guy and that guy is like unboxing Reese's peanut butter cups. He's like, oh, fuck.
0: No, if I remember, he was like the dishwasher who they let him cook dessert sometimes or something weird like that. The first half of the episode then is him hating the restaurant, talking shit. And the restaurant, even though they ask for his help, they push back against him, be like, no, we're awesome, you're wrong. And then he's like, well, you're gonna get fucking shut down if you don't listen to me. And then the second half is them coming to grips with their problem. They try to make it better. And then it ends with them being successful. And then there's a website you can go to
1: Oh, do they ever have a follow-up where you can see how they're doing later?
0: Sometimes, yeah. They follow up a few of them. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. There's a website you can go to that lists every single restaurant that Gordon Ramsay has ever helped in the show. 90% of them have since shut down and or reverted back to their old ways and are back to being shitty.
1: So that leads us into thanking you all for listening. You have been listening to Felix Felicis and Hawk Ripjaw. And this is the 12 Mile Limit Podcast, where everything is fair game and nothing is out of bounds. Tune in for episode two when we make up more bullshit. (laughs) Now stay tuned for episode two, where we will dazzle and delight your eardrums once again.
0: Just remember the five Ds of dodgeball. Dodge, drop, dip, dive, and...